Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. And welcome back. How's it going, everyone? New time, new episode. Let's go right into the topic this week. Let's get it. Do you know science? Yes. I'm a big science fan. You're a big science fan. Both of us. Are you a big YouTube fan, like watching science on YouTube? Huge YouTube fan. Well, this topic has come around YouTube a couple times. That's where I learned it. And I've seen a bunch of different YouTubers and TV stars. Mythbusters did a little thing on this about today, the Leyden Frost Effect. Do you know what the Leyden Frost Effect is? No. Never heard of it. Awesome. Well, it's something that was coined back by... Hanhiv Liedenfrost, he's a German physician in 1756, and it's the idea of, you know, if you have like a hot plate and it's heated up to around 200 degrees Celsius and you drop water on it, instead of the water immediately evaporating, it would bubble up and start to slide around the surface like it's floating on air. Okay, I can picture it. Because it is. It is floating on air. What's crazy about the Leyden Frost effect is, I'll show some videos in our description, but when you see it, what happens is people drop little droplets of water onto a hot plate, and because the hot plate's hot, so hot that the water instantly boils and creates a cushion of water vapor underneath it. Now this cushion doesn't transfer heat very well, because gases are not very good conductors. So what happens is, the air blocks the water from evaporating, so it skirts on this little cushion of water, and it kind of skates around instead of evaporating. So if it's any lower than 200 degrees, the water just evaporates off and, like, fizzles. But if it's over this temperature, it skates around. Now, this effect is a lot more than just water. Because of the steam going out and creating a cushion... It's actually used for a lot of things. Liquid nitrogen, a YouTuber that I watch, uh, Grant Thompson, the king of random, he poured liquid nitrogen on his hand, and it's a similar effect. Because liquid nitrogen's boiling point is so low, his hand is considered a hot plate, being drastically over the boiling temperature. So when you pour it on the hand, it just skates around the hand and doesn't stay in one place. That makes sure he doesn't get burnt. Oh. Same thing like with liquid nitrogen, you can actually like throw it on someone's face or quickly get splashed by it because your body's so warm in comparison to the liquid nitrogen that it just beads up and rolls away without causing serious injury. Now, if you stay in the liquid nitrogen long enough that the temperature of your body part gets cold enough, then you'll get serious burns. Yeah, that effect is canceled, I guess. Right. This also is a deal with think of Another YouTuber we're going to go into is the Backyard Scientist. Oh, good one. Yeah, what he did is he heated metal balls and dropped them in water, thinking that maybe the water vapor around the balls would make it go even faster downward Mm -hmm. because of that cushion. Um, His experiment concluded that nothing really changed, but other people did experiments as well, and they got a greater effect. So it all depends on all the different scenarios. Now, my favorite 
people to watch, Mythbusters also did oh, yeah. something with the Laden Frost effect. So what they did is there was a myth that if you stuck your hand in molten lead, you can come out unscathed. But in order to do this, you had to dip your hand in water first. Because what would happen is when you have water on your hand and you'd stick it in the hot metal, the water would boil around creating this vapor that is water vapor and it does not conduct heat very well. So when you put your hand in and out, the vapor creates a protective shield around your hand. Therefore, you can stick your hand in this 800 degree lead and quickly pull it out and return unscathed. Don't try that at home, but Mythbusters did it. Let's. What were the results? The results were positive. Both Jamie and Adam stuck their fingers into the lead and out, and oh they gosh. were unscathed. So it's that it's that principle that there's that kind of buffer layer between. Well, I guess it's just temperature points. They're they're so drastically different. Yeah, and that's what goes on. Now the thing is, scientists, of course, when they have a new discovery, they're like, "How can we use this for a lot more than just a cool party trick?" Of course. Which I feel like a lot of scientists are just like, "Well, let's find the next cool party trick." Yeah. <laughs> now the cool thing with this is, since the vapor underneath creates such a low amount of friction, that even though they're sitting on a pan, the layer of vapor causes them to move around rapidly, not being stopped by any friction. Now they're thinking of many uses for this to maybe like cooling of systems and moving liquids from place to place for pharmaceuticals and things is what they were talking about. Now, the thing is they want to try to invent it. So it's at a lower temperature, but still acts the same way. How they've been able to do this is actually hyper hydrophobic spray. Do you know, like if you spray your boots with this hydrophobic stuff, it then rolls off Yeah, the water beads. Yeah. And that, that beating also kind of acts like a, uh, this water beating acts like the light and frost effect as well. And they're doing a lot of cool experiments out there and it's really interesting to see what they have. And like one cool thing is that they've actually made water climb uphill. If they heated a pad that had little notches in it every like half a centimeter, the water would climb up these ridges like because they're hot on it. Yeah. yeah. And they, can, that's incredible. And they actually created a maze of these different ladders to see if the water would be able to get all the way through mm-hmm. by itself. So they programmed water, in a sense, to yeah. solve a maze. Wow. But currently, it's kind of just more of a fun phenomena. But maybe in the future, we'll see implementations of this. Think of... It's far-fetched, but think of some transportation or some thing that were to send data or physical things place to place by floating on this vapor. Whoa, like a vapor track system of, that could be the next uh, postal service. Well, because <laughs> it, it acts like how, you know, electromagnets, they repel each other. This vapor creates a cushion of frictionless, so it can move at ridiculous speed. Super efficient, yeah. Yeah, but I mean... Audio podcast, can't really show you guys too much, but look it up. Check it out. It's I want to check cool out stuff. that maze. I want to see the water go uphill, defy gravity. And also, the lead one, don't try that at home. The liquid nitrogen, also don't try that at home. But if you heat up your stove really hot and you drop little droplets of water, you'll be able to witness this effect yourself. See them dance around on the surface. Yeah, it's a fun little thing. Just go downstairs, grab your 
favorite pan or least favorite pan. Yeah. Heat it up and make sure it's hot enough that the water doesn't evaporate and you'll actually see this water dance around. So cool experiment to try at home. I suggest everybody go home and try it themselves. But yeah, the light and frost effect. What do you think? That's pretty cool. I, I've definitely seen the water dance around the, on the pan, and I knew there was like a very limited friction because you can see it skirt around so fast. And it's an interesting point that you said we could use this in data transfer and all that because it's it's going to be super efficient. And that's something we don't see at all these days, you know? No, it's something really far-fetched. But the way I thought of this, um, this topic today is I was actually making French toast. I love my French toast. And I spilled water on the pan, and I noticed it didn't immediately go away. That's also when I realized my pan was too hot. Yeah. But then it reminded me about this effect, because I remember learning about it a couple years ago on YouTube. Oh. But it's a cool little science thing. Anybody can do it, Yeah, too. I was going to say, you can do it at home. It's it's a super easy experiment where you're seeing that, that principle right in front of you. Yeah. All about the cushion. It's all just based on the fact of evaporating water cushioning itself. Mm-hmm. So it's hovering. It's creating its own little hoverboard. But yeah, that's the light and frost effect. And that it's it's very interesting how like you can do it quickly, but if you leave it like your hand in liquid nitrogen, it'll eventually cool down and the buffer won't be there anymore. Yeah, and then same goes for on a pan, I guess. Like once the temperature slowly gets up on that air temperature, it'll just cancel out the buffer and that's when it disappears. Yeah, it will slowly evaporate over time and with the liquid nitrogen, if you leave it in one place for too long, it's going to freeze and burn yeah, your hand. Lose your fingers or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I remember going to science camp and we got to play with liquid nitrogen a little bit. I've always wanted to play with liquid nitrogen. I think it's so cool. But I personally don't know how I, myself, can get access to it. No, it's very hard. We had the whatever science instructor. I think you need a license or something yeah. for it. Yeah. Uh, not, nope. I'm definitely not qualified. And a lab coat and safety goggles. Yeah, that's, that'll make you legit. That's not me. No, no. <laughs> Actually, I have a nice lab coat at home. Maybe I should wear it when we record the podcast. Uh, when you're bringing the science to the table, you gotta dress to impress. Of course. All right, Matt. Well, what do you have this week for me? Let's talk about a little bit about life, life? and death. All right. Now we- this has been on our podcast before, hasn't it? Yeah, we're getting deep now. We're getting pretty deep. I mean, we're just ex- experimenting with uh, all sorts of things that have to do with living um specifically mine is living longer than ever can we live past 100 years old increasing life expectancy that's my topic so average lifespans in developed countries more than doubled in the 20th century due to increases in welfare improvements in healthcare, decreases in child mortality and the advent of antibiotics and improved hygiene of course so people are living longer you know it's just that's just kind of the trend over the years I want to say today the youths of the world can expect to live to an age that is at an all-time high. And every year it just increases, you know? That's the way it works. Well, good to hear. (laughs) I love saying youths too. An American born in 2017 can actually expect to live until their late 80s, whereas someone born in the late 90s, like us, can expect to live until their mid-80s. So, I mean, it varies for everyone. It depends on circumstances of your life and your surrounding circumstances. But only a few years, it kind of makes a big difference. You yeah. know that? To bump up. Because every if we're seeing that change between a decade, imagine 50 years from now, the children of 50 years from now. How long will they live for? You know? Yeah. Just think, think ahead. So this data I actually collected from a government site. And the United States has a website, the Social Security Online Resource. 
and it actually has a life expectancy calculator Ooh. that you can play around with. So Wait, I was the, on there this morning. The government predicts this? Yes, they predict oh, that's it. Great. It's based on great. <laughs> it's based on just statistics that they collect. Now, the way they map is actually pretty unique because it doesn't tell you it doesn't give you a straight up age that you're expected to live until. It shows you a chart that gives if you reach this age, this is how many more years that is average of living. So if you reach the age of I think what was the retirement age? I think the retirement age was like 67 or something. It's pretty high. Yeah. But if you make it to 67, you're expected to live for so-and-so years past that. Oh, cool. So it's a unique scale. And I I recommend that everyone go check it out because you can play around. You can punch in any year. You, all it is, is you plug in your gender and date of birth. So that's all it is. And you can just press submit and it'll show you a chart on that relative age and it's really cool i was i was playing around with it so of course i entered someone who was like just born and they're up to practically 88 years old that's like the highest i saw and obviously some people live much longer than that and it's gonna get even bigger so scientists really expect the human race to begin easily exceeding 100 years old within the near future and it's funny because many cultures around the world actually some of them average right around 100 years old, like remote colonies around the world, whereas developed countries, they're pretty high. The United States is actually relatively pretty low compared to, say, the UK and Australia, and in particular, Japan. Japan has a very, very high life expectancy for both men and women. Now, do you think that's due to our habits as a country, like our culture? Oh, most certainly. Because of, especially eating, I know America mm-hmm. has such Diet. a... Yeah. So, in researching, I kind of felt a little gypped when I saw my life expectancy was nearly, like, five years lower than someone recently born, you know? Like, practically 20 20 years younger than me, they're going to be living a whole couple years longer than me. And that's that's not, statistically, that doesn't seem like it's fair, you know? So, I found that there's actually things that statistically prove to increase the longevity of your lifespan. And many of them are actually very, very interesting. And some of them seem pretty random. But it's interesting because everything kind of correlates to maybe like health and diet and like all those sub factors. So here are a few tips on how to live longer, actually. And some of these are really funny. So the first one I have is don't buy takeout food. Cooking at home five times a week actually increases life expectancy by forty-seven percent ch- by a forty-five forty-seven percent chance to live a whole decade more than the others who don't cook five times a week. Oh my god, forty-five percent to live like an extra half a decade? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I'm eating from home a lot more. <laughs> yeah, just cook on your own, and I think that has to do with eating like whole with wholesome ingredients and also being on your feet and making things happen. Move, making your brain work is right. key. So that's why puzzles are great, you know, all those type of things. So you can see in the rest of my, my tips, you're going to see everything's kind of related in that sense. Vegetarians have a 12% lower risk of premature death. So that has to do with diet, I guess. And everything is circumstantial, so that might not be the case for everyone. Don't eat processed meat like bacon or, or like lunch meat. Um, it gives you a much higher rate of cancer and heart disease. And I guess that goes for all processed foods. Yeah. You know, you want to eat the most like wholesome ingredients possible. Those who win an Oscar award live on average four years longer than those who don't. 
Hey, good, well, good old Leonardo is going to stay a little longer, though. Yeah, he's going to stick around maybe four years longer than us. Isn't that funny? And I th- just thinking about that, I saw maybe actors, just because they're working their brain on such a high level of thinking, memorizing lines, uh, living into, into different roles, maybe that just works your brain harder and or, just stretches your lifespan. I also feel like they take care of, since their body is their job, I feel like they're more... Of course, like healthy they take better care of it oh yeah most certainly that's a great point same goes for nobel peace prize finalists they tend to live two years longer than their runner-ups so even the people who are qualified to win the nobel peace prize who are in like the finalists or those finalists live two years longer than the people who aren't finalists so even though there's other smart people that's a whole two-year different period you know that's isn't that a little weird it almost seems like a coincidence, but I can see why it makes sense. Maybe they're pushing their brain just like slightly harder. Higher altitude has actually proven to increase life expectancy. The U.S. states with altitudes around 5,967 feet have statistically shown to hold the longest life expectancies. Darn, I mean, where we are, we're only five. I know my house is 500 feet above sea level. I know we're a couple thousand short. Yeah, we, we got to work on that. <laughs> And that led me into Japan because Japanese culture is is very unique and specifically where it's located and the altitude. They're kind of living at a higher – because it's kind of a mountainous region. They tend to live the longest out of most cultures. Um, Diet in Japan also has helped their life expectancies to be some of the highest in the world. They – many drink five or more cups of tea, specifically green tea, and that has proven to reduce your risk of heart disease drastically. Out of all methods, it kind of – green tea is like the way to go and they drink plenty of it in that culture you know a lot of tea in the culture so that helps them live longer diets high in omega-3s which you can get from eating fish so if you're like a coastal climate i guess you could say if you're eating a lot of fish that can also give you an extra 2.2 years of life well then is that funny 150 minutes per week of exercise potentially adds four years to your life which I believe, you know, they encourage, what's it, 60 minutes a day, yeah. you know, of, of exercise. Um, a Taiwanese study actually found that those who shop daily lowered their risk of death by 23 to 28%. Even if you didn't buy anything, just going out and looking at things and I guess walking around, that's key. So it's a lot of staying active. It's staying active, exercising the brain. That's going to make you live longer. There was a 14-year-long American study that eventually found that men who got less than six hours of sleep were four times more likely to die before those who got more than the six. Well, I, I like my sleep. So, I like my sleep too. So I, I think I'm in the clear. So if you're getting the proper amount of sleep, I guess that's, you know, eight hours, maybe I think seven for our age. Yeah. Um, so you rest the body and you're able to function better. Even though you might be sleeping for more of your life, you're definitely going to make up for it in the, the extra years that you're alive, I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, normally with me, the first hour I'm awake, nothing happens anyway. Yeah. I think waking up early is the best thing, though. You can get so much done, but just before everything else in the world is going, you know? Well, that that's why I like to work towards. That's what I'm trying to do. Because otherwise, you stay up later doing oh, stuff, yeah. and that hurts your sleep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, here's a Here's a fact that kind of confused me a little bit. A German study found that people who predict a happier future have a higher risk of death than those that don't predict a happy future. 
which I thought it would be the opposite. Like if you're like expecting to live a happy life, you're going to live that happy life. But this statistics shows that if you don't think much of your future, you're going to live longer. Isn't See, that a little weird? I agree with that though. Really? Yeah. Because think of it like this. If you think, well, life will be what it is. Or instead of thinking, I'm going to have a great, happy life. If you're more kind of, look, life is what it is. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. And not having too much of an overly positive outlook. No matter what comes your way, you don't like get emotionally hurt by it. You kind of keep the same mindset. That your expectations aren't ruined because that could lead to depression. Like a depressive set. Like a, a depressive mindset. Mm-hmm. of not having your great life expectations reached. Okay, yeah, l- lower expectations. There's nothing, you're never let down by your own life, I guess. Yeah, lower your expectations, people. Jeez, <laughs> live longer. <laughs> but this statistic said that it's people who don't predict a happy future, which is kind of funny, who think that it's going to be sad. Oh, like, like oh, my life's going to stink. They end up living the longest, which is kind of ironic. Oh, that's yeah, that's pretty ironic. But no, I, f- I feel like your your point is very very true. How if you have low expectations, you're not gonna miss those ex- those expectations aren't gonna be missed, and yeah. you won't fall into it like a depressive state. So yeah, low, lower your expectations of life. <laughs> yeah. People who identify as Hispanic tend to live two point five years longer than others, what? and this may be linked to a stronger full family connection. That makes sense, yeah. You know, it's healthy being with your family. It's all kind of like, these are all kind of like soulful tips. Fathers of girls have proven to live nearly 74 weeks longer than fathers with boys. So a year and a couple weeks. Maybe, maybe boys just like wear out dads. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They physically wear them out. Maybe. (laughs) That might be it. Mothers of twins have proven to live longer than other non-twin-bearing mothers. Really? And they think that has to do with splitting. It's like a genetic mutation where a mother who has twins splits the chromosomes evenly among two offsprings, I guess. And that's like the ideal reproductive method, whereas it splits, it spreads on your DNA twice, twice the amount it would with a a single child. Well, maybe it's also that since it's twins, it's the time of one child split be- against two kids. Mm-hmm. So the time of the a parent's life, helping the child, dealing with the child is kind of all at once. Okay. Instead yeah. of split over a longer period of time. Yeah. Like my mom, like she had me first and then my little brother seven years younger than me. So there'll be seven extra years of, that she'll be dealing with kids. Oh yeah. Before he moves on and becomes an adult and does his own thing. I guess that's tiresome eventually or just taxing on the on the human, you know. Yeah, I think so. To take care of children. So, twins, if you can aim to have twins, I guess you're going to live longer. Okay. <laughs> the Being more you married know. actually lowers your mortality rate greatly, but if you fight within a relationship, it will drastically decrease your life expectancy. So don't rush into a marriage if you're going to fight because that's just going to knock you all the way back, you know? There's so many caveats. You know, you got to be careful for these things. Yeah, these are like step-by-step rules. You need to follow them to the T. Yeah, so far all I know is I need a Nobel Peace. I need to get close to winning a Nobel Peace Prize, (laughs) an Oscar, Oscar Oscar and cook five meals at home. That's what I'm aiming for right now. (laughs) I think you could do that. Those who work into their 70s with jobs they are happy with tend to live longer than those who retire earlier 
from jobs that they weren't completely satisfied with. So I guess just keeping your brain intact through something you're passionate about, whether even artists, you can see this in artists, they're going to live longer as long as nothing else happens in their life. You know, like I say, circumstantially, I don't know, you might get hit by a train or something that, yeah, that you always have to factor that in you because these are all life expectancies due to old age. I'm assuming, right? Yes. This isn't factoring disease, life disease, Accidents. Accidents, yeah. yeah. Because that can get you too. Mm-hmm. Cat and dog owners tend to live longer than those without pets. Awesome. I so love... you should always have pets, you know? Good good to know. And it's funny, there's a lot of health benefits of having pets. I know that they, I don't know if it's like a pheromone release from the pets that you share with them living in the same house, but it definitely does have its health benefits on the human body. I have heard that. And in fact, it'll make you live longer, slightly longer statistics show so if you think it's too late to start any of these it's not actually suddenly taking on healthy habits actually increases the length of your telomere tips on your chromosomes these tips fray as you get older but taking on healthy habits will help you keep these telomere tips intact so every time you kind of stretch your brain to try something new or fall into a habit and get into a routine there's tips on on the ends of your chromosome which is like shaped like an x there's there's four tips on each side or four tips total two on each side and you can lengthen them so they when they get frayed they have more space to fray so that's an actual physical attribute of aging good to know well yeah because isn't that what causes like defects in the body because of these fraying dna over time yeah i think i think with aging a lot a lot of those um problems with aging like uh slowly your mind starts going and you can't think as sharp as you as you once did i believe that's because of a genetic makeup you're slowly kind of unraveling it in your mind you know it's it's yeah. sad to think of that but you just want to keep everything intact so basically to wrap it all up we're going to keep our brains sharp just by doing physical activity mental exercising just stay on your feet maybe cook five meals a week i know that sounds tiring but honestly it's going to pay off in the long run that's something to aim for well good stuff this week you know we learned a cool party trick to pull on your stove that you can do while cooking these five meals every week every week well all right guys thanks for listening this week to two top and we'll see you guys next time see you soon This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and join us next week for another Two Topics.